This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. Gunung Raya Forest Reserve in Langkawi is home to a diverse ecosystem with wildlife such as great hornbills, black giant squirrels and island flying foxes, just to name a few. The mountain is 220 million years old and composed mainly of granite and is part of Southeast Asia's first UNESCO Global Geopark, chosen because of its geological importance to the region. Recently though, locals have been discovering impending logging and sand mining projects within this forest reserve, which could destroy one of Malaysia's few protected sanctuaries for nature. So we're going to find out what's happening over in Langkawi, Kedah from Ishad Mubarak. He is a naturalist, a conservationist and an educator and a long-time resident of Langkawi. Welcome, Irshad. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Irshad. So yeah, it's been a while since we've had you on Earth Matters. So thank you so much. You know, it's good to have you back on the show. Um, It's my pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure as well. So I guess, you know, um, you know, as I mentioned just now, you know, you've called uh, Langkawi home for a long time, I think more than 30 years now, right? Um, just remind, I mean, we, we spoke about this the last time you were on BFM, but why does Langkawi hold such a special place in your heart? Well, I made a trip to Langkawi on a holiday. And when I arrived, it was, uh, it was about March. It was in the month of March. And the winds were calm and beautiful, the seas were blue, and I just looked around and I realized that this island had so much to offer. It had rainforest at your doorstep, literally, or at the most 15 minutes drive, you were in a rainforest, a pristine rainforest. Then another 20-minute boat ride, you're in a mangrove swamp. And what a beautiful insular mangroves they are here. In my opinion, the most beautiful river, mangrove river system, because as a backdrop, you have these wonderful uh, rock scapes and uh, coming out of the ocean, limestone rock formations. So every corner of every meander in the river uh, took us to a postcard beautiful spot. And I just fell head and heels over the island. And uh, on my journey back, I was contemplating, I must return. It would be a perfect place to put down some roots. And so 35 years later, voila, I've been here. 35 years, you definitely laid down some roots there. And of course, no looking back, right? I mean, uh, you know, you've, you're, you're so well known as a, as a tour guide. Of course, there's Jungle Wala, uh, you know, so many things that you've been doing uh, as a naturalist, as a, as a conservationist as well. And, you know, I remember you saying Langkawi, um, as you mentioned, you know, is known for its stunning landscape and seascape and that no other island in the region can compare to Langkawi's rich geological history. Maybe you can just elaborate on all of that for sure. us. Yeah, um, truly, a lot of credit must go to the UKM, uh, UM, all the early geologists that made a lot of effort and a lot of study on the island. And because of them, we know a lot more about Langkawi's geological history. In fact, the entire geological history of Malaysia happened here on Langkawi. And as a result of that, we have been 
blessed with a diversity of different rock substrates. So, for example, uh, uh, we have on the northwest coast, sandstone formations. Mm -hmm. On the east coast, we have limestone formation all across the east coast of the island. And at the center of the island that you mentioned earlier, Gunung Raya, it's a granite intrusion. Okay. And at the base of the granite intrusion, we have alluvial soils, mud, and also in some other areas, we have mudstone and chert and shale. So different rock substrate was conducive for different flora. Okay. So as a result, we got a diversity of different types of flora. So from heat forests in the top of our mountains, right down to lowland dipterocarp forests, forests on limestone, which is so special, as well as mangroves. And each different forest types were home to interesting, unique fauna. This diversity of rocks allowed for diversity of soils that allowed for f diversity of flora and as a diversity of fauna as well. Hmm. So it blows us away when I came here to see this amazing, this little tiny island can support such great diversity. Well, would you want to sort of tell us a little bit about the fauna? Because, you know, that is something like, for example, Kalugos, you know, I mean, that is something Langkawi is known for. Uh, you know, what are some of the, the fauna that holds a special place in your heart? Well, I've, you know, people heard of Africa. Yeah. They talk about the big five. Yes. Uh, when it comes to Langkawi, we don't have megafauna. Mm -hmm. But we've got this interesting cryptic animals. And I call it, the fabulous flying five. <laughs> okay. And the top one of that is the Kalugo, also known as the flying lemur. And it's a special mammal, only confined to certain parts of Southeast Asia. And there are so far five uh, distinct species and subspecies uh, here found, found in Southeast Asia. And we have on Langkawi, plenty of these uh, cryptic animals that come out at night and glide between our trees. And when we take guests out at, uh, on uh, after dark trips, this is Langkawi after dark, the real Langkawi after dark. Yeah. I call these animals the flying squirrels, the, the flying lemurs, uh, the, the flying lizards, the flying snakes and, and, and the flying foxes. I call them the oohs and the ahs. Why I say that? Because when the guests are with us and when they see the kalugo gliding above them, they go, ooh, <laughs> ah. So these are just fabulous animals. And if you come to Langkawi, you got to do the fabulous flying fives. For sure. And I can tell you, uh, you know, we've been in Langkawi with, uh, you know, BFM. We went for a company trip a few years back and we saw something flying across. And yes, it was like, whoa, what is that? And for the next hour at night, we were just trying to figure out what it was. It turns out it was a Kalugo. So we were really, really excited. Um, but, you know, you know, all of that as well, um, I guess, you know, in, in all the years that you've been in Langkawi, you know, 35 years, as you mentioned, um, are you witnessing uh, loss of natural habitat, of the natural um, environment there? Interesting. Good question. 
Langkawi has indeed seen nearly 50%, if not a little more than 50% of its natural heritage lost. But this loss has happened through hundreds of years and and recent decades. But if we want to go further back, it has been really agriculture. Until about the 1960s, uh, rubber arrived. And so there was rubber uh, forest uh, removed to take place of monoculture. There's, of course, earlier to that, there was rice cultivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are things that are natural to an island uh, where people need to feed their families. They need to be an economic source of income. And then in most recent times, in the 19, uh, late 1980s, Tourism became another factor in uh, loss of bio, the cause of loss of biodiversity. So, and that's been mainly uh, infrastructure, road infrastructure, cutting up uh, habitats, separating uh, habitats, fragmenting the island a little further. So these uh, uh, factors, loss of habitat, fragmentation, are the main cause of um, uh, the loss of biodiversity on the island. And I remember you saying that, you know, islands work, you know, by different rules, right? And if a habitat is lost, the species will decline. Uh, You know, are you seeing that happening as well? Maybe you can elaborate on that for us. Yes, we are seeing uh, the decline in the uh, health of the gene pool of some of the animals. Because of this fragmentation that has occurred, Mm -hmm. some animals are just confined to um, certain limited areas. And this forces uh, the species to breed within closely related gene pools. We have already seen uh, albinism occurring where recessive genes are pushed out, among the dusky langur, oh. the macaque monkey, the civet cat, and also um, the uh, mouse deer. So we've seen this already happening on the island. Uh, this is a sign of a declining gene pool, mainly because they are confined in little fragments of uh, the remaining habitats. This can be, of course, addressed, in which we are trying to address. Uh, there is um, a hotel on the island, uh, which, uh, uh, which I work closely with, and they've come up with a program called Wildlife for the Future, in which they hope to be able to reconnect many of these fragments with wildlife corridors to ensure the safe migration of animals across uh, different core ecological zones to help uh, sustain or uh, improve the gene bank. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're seeing that here on the peninsula as well, right? It's happening as well, forest fragmentation. You know, um, we've seen that uh, happening with even the tigers, right? Let's just take the umbrella species that's happening as well, isn't it? So, yeah, really these wildlife corridors are quite essential and they've they've been proven to work, am I correct? Uh, yes, there are some positive reports about it and they've, of course, the distractors as usual. <laughs> but it's much better than doing nothing. It is absolutely essential. We are a microcosm. Lankawi is a microcosm of what's happening on the big 
uh, on on Sumananjong, mm. on the peninsula, and in Ombonio. Yeah. So what the problems we are facing here are the problems that are similar to the problems you're facing uh, on on the peninsula and the big the big land, so to speak. And yes, you should in any conservation take the apex predator. And in our case in Malaysia, it is the tiger. And all conservation uh, measures should be based on the needs of a healthy population of tigers. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, one tiger requires four females to cover a certain area of about a thousand uh, square kilometers to survive enough food, enough so forth. But how many of these populations do you need to sustain a healthy gene pool so these other populations can meet and reconnect and increase? So based on that, we'll know uh, what are the minimum viable population of the tiger and is the tiger going to survive in future? Okay. And um, that is a huge concern, which I think everybody is working about. But we'll, we'll just go for one quick break, Yershad. When we come back, let's find out. Uh, let's continue talking about Langkawi, right? Uh, and these proposed developments, whether, you know, what's happening on the ground there, if you can enlighten us. I'm speaking today to Irshad Mubarak. He is a naturalist, conservationist, and he's also an educator. Uh, we're talking about Langkawi today, but we're also going to zone in on whether Langkawi's Gunung Raya Forest Reserve is in any danger. We'll have more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me today is Irshad Mubarak. He's a naturalist, he's a conservationist and an educator. Uh, He's a long-time resident of Langkawi and, you know, he's sharing with us all the wonders that Langkawi holds. You know, we really need to come and visit. If you haven't, you have to, Uh, especially the the top, what is it called again? The flying, the top? The fabulous flying five. The fabulous flying five. If nothing at all, go and check that out. Um, But, you know, there is some potential um, danger to a particular area called Called Gunung Raya Forest Reserve. Um, there is an online petition going uh, on, you know, going on that says that it needs to be protected. So we're trying to find out what's happening. And um, you know, before the break, Irshad, we were talking about, um, you know, you mentioned that there is a loss of natural habitat and you know the repercussions from that on the uh, biodiversity, right? But is there anything that's causing you concern um, in terms of development and biodiversity loss in Langkawi? Anything at all? Yes, it's absolutely essential that all the remaining forest reserves be permanently protected. A forest reserve is a forest reserve until state government decide to degazette it Mm -hmm. for commercial uses. So uh, it is so essential that all the remaining uh, wildlands or reserves be permanently protected, not only for the very important ecotourism industry that the island has come to depend on. Uh, in fact, you could safely, you could just say 80% of the population of the island is dependent directly, indirectly to tourism. Mm. And many tourists come to Lankawi to enjoy its many natural attractions. So yes, uh, Protecting the rainforest protects, ensures our ecotourism industry. But more important than that, it is also about 
water security. Mm-hmm. Because there is a, a percentage of the population that is conducting agriculture. And there are many interests on the island. One should also consider the interests of the farming community. Water is so essential for rice farming. And Lankawi um, ha- is dependent upon the rainy season because we don't have very extensive uh, irrigation systems. Yeah. So many, most of the farming community here uh, have one rice farming season. And on certain years where the rains hopefully uh, are heavier, they get a second thrown in. So they are among the poorest, uh, I would say, um, rice farmers in Kedah. Mm-hmm. One season, most of them have that. And certain areas, they get a second season in some years. So many of these farmers also are fishermen. They do two things. And so the health of the forest ensures our water security. The runoff from forests, if a forest remains, the runoff into the rivers uh, means less sediments. And less sediments taken out to the open sea, that means less damage to the coral life. And protecting the coral life also helps protect the fishing community. So protecting the rainforest is so important for everybody, not just ecotourism. It's also about mitigating air pollution, mitigating droughts, and so forth. I would say even mitigating floods, um, you know, so many things, right? And so, yeah, so basically it's not just an environmental thing. It's also a socioeconomic issue. You know, it impacts everybody pretty much, right? Yes. Okay. Indeed. Indeed. You need to protect Langkawi, uh, not just for us, but for, uh, you know, it's a cliche, but for our children and our children's children, the quality of life we want for us and for them. Definitely, definitely. Couldn't agree with you more, Irshad. And I guess, you know, now I just want to touch on that, that, that what I was mentioning earlier, you know, that we've been hearing about logging, um, sand mining activities are being approved in the Forest Reserve in Gunung Raya, Langkawi, right? Um, first, maybe let's talk a little bit about this area. You know, why is it so special? Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen you writing, you know, very, very uh, passionately about it. Why is it also an ecologically important area? Well, Gunung Raya sits really smack in the center of the island. Mm -hmm. And it's composed of 5,000 hectares of pristine rainforest, lowland dipterocarp forest, and on the higher uh, elevations, a little bit of uh, uh, what you call hill forest. And this this part of the island has some of the biggest trees uh, on Langkawi, uh, it's the soils are very good, uh, and it is also home to some amazing birds. And birds that are very close to my heart are the hornbills. They're very iconic. The great hornbill, uh, in large numbers, thrive in Gunung Raya. The we and and this particular area around the lowlands that was in the news recently was so important for these hornbills. We get a a flock of up to maybe 50 to 60 birds (gasps) that frequently roost. Uh, 
in this particular part of uh, of Gunung Raya. And there are several fig trees, and fig trees are the most important food source for not just the hornbills, for many birds and other animals, monkeys, squirrels, uh, fruit bats, and flying squirrels, and, and civet cats as well. So that was our concern when we heard about this news. And as you know, they came out with, there's a, there's a petition even out online now to protect that. And of course, I immediately signed up uh, on it. It's a home to this flocks of the largest uh, birds on the island. These are iconic. The great hornbill from the tip of the bill to the tip of the tail is one meter 30. That's a four foot bird flying overhead. And when they fly over you, you hear these birds. It's the wing beat goes like this. And when they call, uh, you can never forget its call. It's a rather loud. Into a and I said, this is the wow uh, iconic bird. When people see that, they're just blown away, you know. And it would be a great, great shame if we do not protect these birds. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I mean, th- there's so much legend, you know, as well tied to this place. Um, you know, so much. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Well, I can talk. I know a little bit about the legend. And uh, Langkawi is, uh, is Pulau Legenda, as they also say. <laughs> yes. And there's, of course, the story of Mashuri, which is not a legend. It's a, it is uh, not a myth. It's a real event that happened to the island. Mm-hmm. But the myths and legends are about uh, the giants, two giants, Mat Raya, Mat Chinchang, the best of friends that that on their child's wedding day, uh, there was a fight ensured, a fight ensured, an argument that led to a fight. And from this fight, many different parts of the island gets its name. And this is very peculiar among the people of Southeast Asia and Polynesia to give uh, forms and legends to landforms. This is very peculiar, and I, I have a hypothesis on that as well. You see, uh, Southeast Asia is an insular nation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Indonesia itself has over 17,000 islands. The Philippines have over 7,000 islands. Malaysia has so many little islands. Being in insular environment, sailing, moving from island to island was very important. And so for, uh, for sailors to understand the map of the area, when they travel from, a, from India, they are coming over to Langkawi. And on board the boat, there would have been a navigator from the, area, from the local area, Langkawi, who would know the stories of the islands here. Mm-hmm. And as he's coming closer and closer up uh, in the horizon, they begin to see the, the form of the island. Okay. And to make sure if they got the wrong island, they'll know from the form. Oh, that doesn't look like uh, Mat Chinchang's face. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. we missed it. This belongs to another legend on the island uh, just a few nautical miles north of me. Mm-hmm. And so they would adjust. And when they come to the horizon and then see the shape of Mat Chinchang or Mat Raya, they know, ah, from the distance, they know we are on the right direction. So this was a way of geographical uh, reference points. Mm-hmm. 
an identification, and, right? Yeah. yeah. And when they they arrive to Machinchang, they know the story of the battle and they know where the different parts of the island are, because the story created the hot spring. Yeah, when the when the water, boiling water spill and where the pot broke, we have a place called Belanga Pachau, Pachau, yeah. And then we have where the curry seeped into the ground, a place called Kisap. And then when the curry reappears in uh, in the uh, southeast coast, a place called Kwa emerges, and Kwa is the town. So just knowing this as a story, the sailors could eventually, the navigators could find the spot to go to. That's fascinating, Yushat. And that makes so much sense, really. That's a great hypothesis, I feel. <laughs> yeah, the Greeks made stories of the constellation. Yes. So their children learning these stories could find direction. If you were to tell a kid, listen, follow these three stars and you reach Malta. <laughs> They're not going to remember. <laughs> but when you create the stories of Orion uh, and the Great War, you know, and, and all that kind of connection, you remember the stories. And then, you know, if you follow the three stars along uh, Orion's belt, at this time of the year, you reach Malta, for <laughs> instance. So these are all stories and uh, geographical references. Which, I mean, clearly shows that this area also, you know, is not just steeped in, uh, well, it's steeped in history, in legend, and, um, you know, not just uh, eco- an ecologically important area, right? So it is something that is, you know, at the heart of uh, Langkawi. Am I correct in saying that? You know, something that the island, you know, holds dear to its heart. Would I be correct in saying that? Yes, certainly. I think you're absolutely correct. Okay. And I guess, you know, that's why there were there was a lot of concerns, right? Because... Um, the, there was news about um, activities being approved uh, to be carried out there, mainly logging and mining activities uh, within the uh, within the forest reserve. I think about 40 hectares of land in two compartments. Uh, that's what I read in the news. Maybe you can help clarify, you know, based oh, on yes. what you know. Yes, it was a big hoo-ha in the news and there was this, um, this uh, petition online. But very quickly, I think uh, in on March 21st, uh, the present uh, Mantri Basar of Kadai, uh, YB Sanusi, mm-hmm. uh, he he came up and to negate uh, this. So thankfully, he clarified the matter. Of course, he did uh, try to pass the buck, the blame to a previous administration, whether that's true or not. Uh, but if, you know what ha- uh, how the politics plays out in this country. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, he clarified and he says that uh, this was approved prior to him, but upon checking with the forestry department, no land or permits have been given of that size on the island uh, for sand mining or logging. So thankfully, uh, I believe uh, Gunung Raya for now is protected. But we must always keep on our toes because we never know what can happen. Yeah, and so I'm happy that people came together to put up the petition, and we see well over three thousand signatures already, and that's to keep politicians on their toes as well. That you know we we you don't mess with nature here because it's so precious. 
Okay, that's that's really heartening to hear because, you know, there was such concern. And, you know, we're hearing about so many uh, land reclamation, coastal reclamation, right? And where is the sand coming from? It's coming from all these sorts of sand mining activities, right? So I guess there were some fears that, you know, all of this was uh, uh, interconnected and related, I suppose, right? Yeah, well, there's a, a, a project that's coming up uh, near the international airport mm-hmm. and uh, in which they are, uh, a company is going to reclaim uh, and fill up the area with uh, land, dirt. Yeah. And so my concern is that none of the na- natural reserves on the island, forest reserves, should uh, uh, be uh, degazetted to fill up that. Yes. You see? Mm-hmm. But uh, then again, there are lands that are in private ownership. Okay. And of course... Uh, uh, if these private landowners wanted to sell their dirt, uh, legally we cannot say anything. Yeah, it belongs to them, and it's desperate times. People are selling dirt these days to survive. But as long as, uh, on my side, as long as we keep uh, the forest reserves intact and create wildlife corridors, we can secure the health of our biodiversity the health of our ecotourism industry and the quality of life we want to have uh, for ourselves and for the future generations. And, you know, I just want to go back to something else you said. You know, you mentioned that, um, you know, all that noise that was made about this was actually quite heartening, right? Because, you know, it showed that people are concerned and, um, you know, they came together and at least all these concerns were addressed, right? Um, maybe you'd like, any, any advice you'd like to give, you know, if if people hear or see things, you know, that are that are concerning them, you know, how can they come together? What should they do, um, you know, to, to get the authorities' attention, I suppose, and to, to speak up about these things? Well, I think uh, it's essential that the islanders to begin to truly appreciate what a beautiful island this is from a a geological standpoint, from a flora standpoint and a fauna standpoint. And we have a group of the usual people that are always standing up and voicing uh, voicing their opinions on loss of diversity, but we need a more... Uh, grassroots uh, understanding and appreciation of the natural environment. And if we understand that and if the grassroots uh, love the way they are, they will want to protect it. Mm -hmm. So we need that, a a groundswell of, uh, and we need politicians to understand that it is a bottom-up thing rather than a top-down instructions. Mm -hmm. So we need the grassroots to tell uh, the people we put in office how we want the island to be and not vice versa. For sure. I mean, we are the ones that put them there, as you said, right? Uh, they need to listen to what the people want. And Langkawi is beautiful. It's not just, I think, you know, island, the Langkawi folks who, who need to speak up. It's all of us, you know, who've, who've had the you know, privilege of being there, who've, you know, who love it as well. You know, I think that's why I wanted to talk to you about this as well. I think Langkawi is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, we do need to uh, keep our politicians on their toes. Um, I guess, you know, things are, things are looking up. Yes, um, Ramadan just started, but, um, you know, uh, ecotourism is picking up now that borders are reopened, things are looking good, you would say? Oh, yes, indeed. Um, 
even before Ramadan, you could see that the local Malaysians were traveling pretty much. And Langkawi was uh, a, a bubble. That's right, yeah. So people were just converging here. And we've seen after two years of uh, pretty difficult times, and finally everything's looking up. People are smiling again. The Ramadan markets, people are buying again. Nice. They're out there. And uh, so uh, so it's it's beautiful to see things moving back to normalcy. Many happy faces. Lovely, lovely to hear that. And I'm sure your your diary must be full as well <laughs> with tours and, and all sorts of things, right? And all your conservation indeed, work. Indeed. Okay, yes. all right. Well, if anyone's interested to get in touch, Irshad, uh, with you, uh, what's the best way that they can do that? Yes, uh, uh, you can reach me through junglewala.com and you can attention Irshad. And sure, if there's any questions or anything you need, I'm quite happy to oblige, if possible. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been speaking to Irshad Mubara, naturalist, conservationist and educator. We were talking about Langkawi. We were uh, dispelling some, you know, issues, some myths about, um, you know, some uh, development over in Langkawi's Gunung Raya Forest Reserve. Hopefully nothing's going to happen there. We'll keep up. We'll keep, uh, you know, our attention on it just to make sure. Um, but again, you know, if you miss any part of today's interview, or any previous Earth Matters interviews, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.